Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed! And England win on penalties! History in itself! You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the Hello and welcome to episode 217 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. This week we've got plenty to talk about, pretty football-centric this week. We've got, is it time to take West Ham seriously? Did debate having uh, Connor, Steve or both on and figured, probably for the best that we don't on this occasion, could get a bit uh, of a skewed opinion and uh, I I don't want to say names... Jack did crumble a little bit when it looked like you might be getting Declan Rice. I don't know if you thought Rice might be coming, Jack. Or if or if it's because you walk your dog with Connor, you didn't want to say anything too out of line. <laughs> We've also got... Is Steve Bruce right to be quietly confident, as he said? Not reassuring thing for Newcastle fans, <laughs> that, they, that they will stay up. Thoughts on uh, Thomas Tuchel. Got it right this week. Subbing off Callum Hudson-Odoi after subbing him on. And then a little bit of UFC talk about the Black Beast to finish off the show. Yesterday, big big occasion. Spitballing pod turned four years old. Things have come uh, a long way. Uh, I think I've got one picture from uh, the opening episode that I find on my phone, which was Sean just looking a little uh, flustered, which... Sums up the early pods quite well, actually. Um, <laughs> said before, we used to attempt to manoeuvre my dining room table through the house um, and into the living room, which was the biggest struggle ever. You, you've not seen anything until you saw us try and do that. I think Alex was on episode three, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that is correct. And... Uh, went from there so he was like stiff though when we realised what we had so we had to get a bit more <laughs> well that's what we had with Troy because Troy was on episode one he used to just come in do the UFC and then trot away so he'd be in for about 15 minutes each time and then gradually people wanted to see a bit more so we went from there got some news of the week this week so got plenty for us to get into start as we mean to go on Cocaine smugglers jailed after jet ski runs our fuel. I've seen this. <laughs> what a brilliant idea. 
what I, what I just don't understand is the range of a jet ski. It came from Amsterdam, I think it was. <laughs> and they're trying to get back to like East Anglia. And it's like 365 nautical miles. Their jet ski has a range of like 150 miles. So like, they oh, so it's not just that they didn't fuel up, because when I read it, I thought, you've gone to all this trouble and you've literally just forgotten to fuel up. <laughs> no, no, it's literally out of range. I even thought they'd have brought like a tank with them or something. I was thinking... Oh, this, is, this is why we don't read past the headline. It was, it's not as good now, I know what happened. <laughs> what I don't get as well, why don't we just chuck it all in the sea before the rescuers get there? Like, <laughs> why, would you, why would you get caught with that when you've got an excellent disposal method of the sea? Who knows? Or the turtle. All of it. Yeah, and the time would have gone very quickly. Well, like those blokes we had a couple of weeks back in uh, eating the oranges at the airport. This is just their version of it. Yeah. When the police find it all in the sea, and then they're like, oh, this was here when we got it. So yeah, yeah. Um, got some really chit talkative sharks near them. <laughs> Appeals court begrudgingly allows engineer to keep his job, even though he was caught purposely defecating on company property. That's brilliant. That's a hell of an appeal. I've said before, haven't I, in uh, an old job I worked at where um, I was on a help desk for a um, facilities management company and we had a call to say that uh, essentially this woman had been made redundant and so she went out the front of the building and uh, shut on the doorsteps. (laughs) Imagine if you happen to be walking past her. Exactly. The fact that this woman makes that seem like it is even more of a protest and the fact that like animal excrement's easy you, you have to call out all these companies all these big companies are things in place for this kind of thing whether it's hosing down what the birds have left dogs on your premises and all this kind of thing because it was human you had to pay about 500 quid to call someone out and wear some protective gear to be able to clear it you had um, some people on site apparently were offering say, if you can get the five hundred pounds, I'll clean it up. I'd have undercut them. I'd have been saying, look, I'll do it for <laughs> two hundred, whatever you want. But, but yeah, they had to get to get some specialists out, which is reassuring to know that there are specialists out there for that kind of thing. Tough one to say. What do you do for your job? Well, I, I clean up people's shit. With with a different company, you could see that it was uh, very Cheltenham in the uh, reputation they have because there was a department that was made redundant there. And their uh, level of protest was to turn the taps on in the bathrooms and just walk away. <laughs> no plug-in, but just, I'm going to waste all your hot water here. <laughs> so it wasn't enough to overthrow the company and uh, get them back in. Um, Twitch streamer made $16,000 filming himself sleeping and letting viewers disturb him with alarm clocks and fake dog barks. <laughs> Easy money to make, I guess. Um, customs agents in Cincinnati seized 44 pounds of cornflakes covered in cocaine instead of sugar. <laughs> Are those frosties at that point? <laughs> the is, there, is there some 
method that these people then had to kind of extract it, or were people just going to be dishing out just these mental cornflakes? Edinburgh woman bit off man's tongue in street brawl before seagulls swooped down and ate it. (laughs) So, don't get into a scrap in Scotland, basically. Bites all the tongue off, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, Man with the world's largest penis weighs it to prove it's real. Um, 18.9 inches, two pounds it weighed. Jesus. Um, he actually went for the world record and um, they declined it because they said it was mostly excess skin. Oh, <laughs> it'd get a boner and pass out from blood loss. The wizard sleeve. Nasty way to go. <laughs> uh, nuns break COVID rules to attend exorcism. <laughs> Is that justified? I think that's essential. Yeah, (laughs) seems pretty essential to me. (laughs) Uh, Columbia professor says he does heroin regularly for work-life balance. (laughs) Casual, casual heroin. (laughs) Um, Arizona man accused of faking own kidnapping to evade work. (laughs) Superb. Obviously, uh, don't tell us the employer it was for. Um, what's the worst excuse any of you have come up with to uh, get out of work? I'm not having that. If Alex is going to tell me that he never exaggerated to miss a day's work now, I'm sure. We know of his track record. That's questionable. Uh, I, 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 I genuinely don't think I've had... Like a, a day where I have I've given an excuse. It, what you got to remember is, unfortunately, I've got a mother who would kick my ass for, if I was going to try and pull one of those. So um, you're I don't a big think, boy now. Yeah, but I haven't I haven't done it since at all. I've never never skipped a day off work. I thought you were going to mention your arm, but you don't see that as skipping like we do. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Jack I bet Jack's used some awful excuses. Yeah, I've seen some absolutely terrible ones. I've used a lot of I bet stuff. You've used like some, that. yeah. Yeah, actually, one time when I, I think it was in 2013, I'd gone out on, I can't remember what night it was. I'd gone out over the Christmas period. You know those weird days where they don't mean anything, so you just get out on the piss and forget you have work the next day. I worked in car sales, and I rang it up, and I think I must have been still been pissed. I rang up my boss at the time and said that. The tree had fallen down and I couldn't get out of my road. <laughs> and he said, right, I'll, I'm coming to your house to check. I was like, oh, this <laughs> I'll be in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we had a woman in an old job I was at phone in and say she couldn't come into work because she'd been struck too hard in the face by the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. At least say your uh, husband or something. Then we'll allow it. <laughs> I know um, towards the end of my time in retail, um, I used to have to do Sunday, two, uh, Saturday 2 till 10, Sunday 2 till 9, and 
I got another job and I had to work my notice. So I was doing Monday to Friday there and then Saturday, Sunday in retail. And after going out on the Saturday, I was trying to tell my mum, like, I can't go in. And I had to say to her, I genuinely can't feel my legs. <laughs> genuinely cannot feel my legs. And uh, phoned in. It was one of them where they can't not say that you're sick. But they were like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Don't even really ask any questions. And then you just get the filthy look on the Monday. But I was happy, so I'd leave it at that point. Are you going to tell me, like Alex, you've never used any excuse, TK? Well, I've never, um, I've, gen- I've actually genuinely never like, called in sick or whatever, but as it may- you may have noticed, I do have some issues with timekeeping. So I've had some, <laughs> I've had some pretty loose excuses for timekeeping. Uh, off the top of my head, one, similar to what Jack said with the tree, I think I claimed um, there was a skip, because I live in my cul-de-sac, there's a skip blocking my way out, so I just had to wait for them to move the skip. Bearing in mind, skips obviously left for days at a time. How that excuse worked, I have no idea, but there we are. See, I actually have one as well, and I, I don't know if it's going back a while, and a tree fell on my house, my parents' house, in 2015. <laughs> like, it was a massive willow, and it was huge. Like, fire brigade was coming out, like, it was snapping A one-pin willow. Wires. And there was a fire engine in like Western Power blocking my way out. And I said to them, a tree fell on my house and a fire engine was blocking my way out. And they didn't believe me. <laughs> well, I guess I used that money. The boy who cried wolf, isn't it? Yeah, the boy who cried tree. <laughs> they should have got a nun in to exercise that house by the sound of the... With that <laughs> and that party that you had, it seems like that, that place was cursed. Oh, it is cursed. It had been burgled like twice as well. <laughs> Coming home from a driving lesson when I was like, <laughs> and fucking all the windows were open and everything was gone. I was like, <laughs> it was like that episode of Friends where you walk into your house and nothing's there. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, where, where, is, where is everything? I'm impressed you said that you had an excuse on that occasion, TK, because it did used to be that you just wouldn't answer your phone and turn up about an hour later. Yeah, it's trickier with work, that. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, it would probably work better because then you really could just say, like, you've been in an awful way, you couldn't even use your phone. I do remember being in the call centre and after the races where, you know what it's like, we've said on here before, in that call centre, you could only get one day off. And mm. so it was quite, like, everyone knew what days that certain people had at the races. And one kid just didn't come in the next day. And then even worse, actually, rather than just being off hungover all day, came in at like one o'clock in the afternoon and just said, (laughs) honestly, you don't understand how awful I was feeling this morning. (laughs) Just one of those people who would just get away with anything. Sensational. His surname rhymed with Smackton. (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, what else have we got uh, Japanese website maps neighbourhoods that have noisy children so you can check that before before you move into the area nice unless someone hijacks it like in Step Brothers when they're trying to deter people from moving to the area <laughs> um, 
pigs can play video games with their snouts, scientists find. What's on air? We always say these scientists, they really should be investing their time better. Um, South Korean hotel apologises over see-through sauna. (laughs) Burger King has opened a spa in one of its restaurants. Those people that feel really guilty about the triple whopper. <laughs> sweat it out after. Imagine the smell in that place. <laughs> Burger sweats in the air. I, I think I've said on it before. Um, the little hack from the cinema when it used to be in the old place was uh, you go to the Burger King, and get a supersized drink from there because it was about one pound twenty nine compared to like four quid they charged you in the cinema. Um, and take it in. And went in there, and there was a kid I used to go to school with, and he came into uh, court when I worked there. And he said, I saw you in Burger King last week. And I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't go in there. Don't get anything from there. And I was like, oh, I only got a drink. And he went, I've seen things there, mate. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. He just paid and left. <laughs> so... I still did go back. I remember getting a lovely uh, large Coke from there for when they remastered The Phantom Menace for 3D in Cineworld. Great little cine trip that was. Jack has actually rewatched Star Wars recently and does agree that that trilogy is the best. Yeah, I, I was one of those that would vilify people for saying the prequels are the best trilogy. But having rewatched all of them, the new sequels, I can't watch them, they're that bad. Um, the originals, there's a lot of nostalgia there because that's what got you into Star Wars. So you have very massive funness. But the different stories and coupled with pretty decent production value, I reckon, yeah, the prequels are better. Like Alex saying, the, Ho- the Hobbit trilogy is best. Uh, don't you dare. That was your line. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? You, uh, you, I'll... Right, you once said famously, you once said famously that The Hobbit is better. Uh, to be honest, the track record for the, for the dedicated listeners who listen to the movie podcast will know full well what your taste is like. So <laughs> don't you dare. The Hobbit has got Good. nothing on The Lord of the Rings. I've been at all. I've been building an army of people that appreciate Batman and Robin. <laughs> We're going to take over Hollywood. Um, <laughs> last bit of news. Uh, Loaded gun pulled from woman's body cavity during drug bust. Loaded. Yeah. Put it up there in a hurry, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It's impressive. Some serious Russian roulette. It's also, it's not like it's just a straight object, which would be uncomfortable enough as it is, but you're twisting that gun around the corner. So there we go. Um, on to the football then. Is it time for us to start taking West Ham seriously? Fourth in the league currently. They've had losses to Newcastle, Arsenal, Everton, United twice and Chelsea. Wins against Leicester, Spurs, Villa twice, Everton. They drew against City. They drew against Spurs from three goals down. 
do we take them seriously or is it just a case of you get one team like this that does well enough and by the end of the season things should kind of even themselves out? Well, when do you, when do you, what, when you say take them seriously, are you saying like contenders for top four or better? Well, just in general, um, I, a lot of people still don't really take them too seriously. It's Moyes in West Ham. Do you consider them for European places? I mean, we will have one of those two or both of them on in the future to ask about what they feel their expectations should be. I did speak to Steve and uh, he was kicking up a bit of a stink saying about avoid relegation, so maybe a more game I, on. I, I think they I should do that. Think... <laughs> there should be some. I, I don't think... Um... I don't think there's we've seen enough consistent quality from them in the respect that you've got to take them seriously enough that they're in and around that top four, top five, top six area. At the moment, they've got a decent run together. A couple of the a couple of the the team a couple of the teams that would normally do better have fallen away, aka Spurs and Liverpool. Um, but I don't think. It really is just a reflection of the season. I they think. Were against, Where, they've unbeaten against Spurs across the season. Yeah, but it's 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 sort of like at the moment a streak of three wins, depending on other results, a streak of three wins can take you from mid table up to the top, like in fifth, sixth place. You know, it's 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 a freakish season where sometimes a run of results can flatter to deceive because. It wouldn't surprise you if West Ham completely dropped away in the next three games, back down, you know, below even, you know, they're not too far away from Arsenal. Arsenal could easily, you could see Arsenal go past them within five weeks or so. I mean, it's not incapable of that. I don't think there's enough. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think there's enough quality in their squad to consistently battle, battle for results and maintain it, it, that form now. It's funny because the way you pose well, they're nine points <clears throat> ahead of Spurs. Well, the way the way that you pose this question, yeah, with the game in hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean the points ahead of Arsenal ahead of Spurs. It's not like they're just kind of ahead by a point. They're a decent way ahead. Yeah, but like I said, it's that kind of season of where you know you can just get a run of games together, and another team can have a run of games where they drop off. It's not, you know, it. It's just a freak season. Exactly that. I think it's the way you posed the question of is it time to take West Ham seriously? You can't take the league seriously this year because it's just fucking mental. Like all of it is not the only team. Decent, get in. Yeah, the, o- the only <laughs> team right, that's off, shown any consistency is Man City. And even we were writing them off at the start of the season, if you remember. I, don't, so. I, don't, I think when you play Villa now, you take Villa seriously before you play them. Oh, yeah. I, I think people take Villa more seriously before they line up to play them than they do West Ham. And there's four places between them and nine points. Yeah, if but I us, would say... If I'd have a few games on hand, I know they probably won't win them both. But just yeah, for, I mean, if any of us were balance. playing West Ham this, this weekend, would you take them seriously enough that you'd be happy with the points? So, yeah. Sorry, say that again. Say that again. If... If, if any of well, us playing right. West Ham this weekend, would we be happy with a point against it? You can't ask AJ. He's just lost to it. Yeah, oh no. 
I would have been happy with a point on Sunday. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. We're we're in we're in tenth, and if we were playing West Ham this weekend, I'd be unhappy with a point. And I just mean they are obviously having a very good season in terms of taking them seriously. I think nobody you... is expecting much of them in the sense of them withholding it. But you look at their record. I mean, they obviously are doing something right. I know, but if you look at their record also, the last 10 games, they've played Brighton, which is a 2-2 draw. They beat, uh, they drew to Southampton 0-0, beat Everton 1-0, what, beat Burnley 1-0, beat West Brom 2-1, Crystal Palace 3-2, lost... What's, to, what's wrong with that, though? I said they drew with City, they've been beaten against Spurs, they've beaten Leicester. What I'm, what I'm saying is about this is that it, because it's a run of pretty winnable fixtures for a team like West Ham, obviously not last season, but... For a mid-table team, they would hedge their bets. They'd win those games, and they have. And other teams haven't. We've had Liverpool uh, lose four games at home on the bounce. That's why they're in the top four there. You've got Spurs underperforming with Jose. You've got Chelsea unable to score goals. It's, it's, it's Arsenal are still recovering from earlier in the season. They're, they're, they're beating teams they're expected to beat. I've just beat, I pointed out they've, they've beaten legit teams. They've beaten Leicester, Spurs, Villa, and Everton. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but that's that that's not uncharacteristic of any team this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you so take Wolves for example, Wolves have had a fair few decent results against some of the bigger sides this season. I'm I'm pretty sure, and they're only on 33 points on the same amount of games played as a lot of the teams in and around them. So it's not. You know, it's kind of. I wouldn't if I was going into a match now. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't fear Wolves any more than I'd. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't fear West Ham any more than I would fear Wolves after the even after the result of the weekend. I, I, I would. I, I would. Why I would fear. We, we just won't take any team seriously other than City. Is that what? Is well, that what you're saying? No, 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 no. Of course, Jack is <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Said, uh, uh, I don't, this, this season, I'm going into games. I don't expect anything. We could win or we could lose, and it's any outcome. Literally mm. any outcome. It's not. I don't go in against um, Sheffield United the other day and expect to smash them. Just as Christ, come on, come on. <laughs> well, Sheffield United. If you look at their games, they don't get smashed. They lose by one goal in mm. most of their games, and it's been their undoing this season. Yeah. But they haven't been scoring goals up front. They're not getting the four and five nil drubbings and. That other teams are, and this is what I'm saying that that one goal this this season could be pivotal in any game. As as a fan trying to get into the top four, I don't expect anything of these games. It could be either or result. And West Ham have just come up the other side of it, and they've edged through the fixtures. I think it's unfair to say that it's just win. been a little blip of form. What do you mean? Which is what's essentially been made out here that West Ham are just in this little purple patch. That's what that's well, it's the same. Every team though, Chelsea were what two points above Arsenal before Tickle came in, and now they're one like th- was it three points ahead of Liverpool or four points ahead of Liverpool. So yeah, but I'm saying you're making out that this is a flash in the pan for West Ham. They've been I one of the more consistent think, teams I, this season. I don't think they have the squad depth to maintain this because if Antonio gets injured. They've got no strikers. No, so, but I mean, from what we've seen so far, it's not been, they've not fluked I'm, to get here. I'm more worried for someone trying, as a fan of a team trying to get in the top four, I'm more worried about a resurgence from Liverpool than I am West Ham. Yeah, but I think 
No one would say you'd be more worried about that. TK, if if, if we go to you, because uh, Steve did message me when I said we were going to be doing this topic, and uh, he did say, I'll expect TK to be going in on us then. Um, (laughs) I mean... Steve has taken that awfully personally. Bear in mind, I've done one tweet about West Ham and his Twitter is 50% Liverpool hatred. He does seem to have taken that rather personally. Bear in mind, I'd say I'm probably the voice on this podcast who's probably more of a West Ham fan than anyone. But there we are. Your dad's a West Ham fan, isn't he? Yeah, I, I always say I've got a soft spot for West Ham. That normally gets met with derision. So, uh, but there we are. Don't, be, let, don't let a little thing like a fat game. Hang on, right? Alex, oh, let, let TK, we have an earth round, yeah. I, I would say, um, yeah, I don't, similar to you, I don't know why people don't take him seriously when you contrast. I think people would quite freely say Villa have looked the real deal this year and having a good year and West Ham having a better one. So I don't, I don't quite know that. I think if you strip away the name of West Ham, I think you trust them about as much as you trust all the other ones from kind of that that kind of race to the top four, if you like, is going to be probably anywhere from United down to probably Spurs. Spurs are probably just about hanging in there. Um, and you wouldn't trust any of those teams. So is it the, like Jack saying that you just don't take any of them seriously or are West Ham due a little bit more respect and you say, well, look, they're obviously on their day are good. They're going to have the occasional bad game, but you can say that about all of those teams in there. So I, I think, the job Moyes has done is unbelievable. I think he's pulling yeah. up trees. Yeah, when you look, that, that is true. That when is you look true. at that team, I think as an individual sort of component, if you told people at the start of the season, West Ham will either play Haller up front, no striker, or Mikel Antonio will be the best option. And obviously he's going to have injuries in there as well. I think they would have been thinking, look, we're in for a tough season here. And, and if we avoid the drop, then we'll have done well. So I think he's, he's pulling up trees, especially you know some of the issues... Um, off the pitch going into the season there's a bit of a cloud around the club and the ownership which kind of is still there but obviously at the minute it's kind of uh, not really the main issue because they're, they're flying in the league I actually so, think this is why we should take them more seriously because of what you said with Moyes because it's not like they're a Crystal Palace and they're relying on Zahar every week or someone like that no I, it I'll is be very much like, they've got a system haven't they and the Man for man, they aren't matching the position they're in. So the credit should go to Moyes. And if anything, that means that the longevity should be there a bit more unless we hit a point in the season, which we've seen with others like this before, where the phrase worked out is usually what comes, as if one team kind of cracks the code and they pass yeah. notes around the rest yeah. of the league to say, we go, we've got them, boys. But we've had that happen before. Um, and it's whether Moyes is then adaptable. But he does seem to have got everything ticking in and the closest thing to how he was in the early 2000s with Everton in which yeah, he made I, his name. And that's I would draw the kind parallels of thing he's got yeah. I draw parallels with that team where you'd say at the very least there's a structure in place here where even on a bad day, you know, they're, they're a solid enough outfit. So again, it's kind of, I think the only doubts are partly in because it's West Ham and there's a, an association with the club that They'll kind of they'll throw it away anyway, and maybe look maybe part of the lack of belief in them kind of come, comes from the fan base. If you look at Twitter during a West Ham game, it is predominantly a lot of West Ham fans will be saying, you know, even if we're four 0 up, I won't feel comfortable. So yeah. 
they, they've obviously got that balance of which, you know, for good reason, I understand why. But if you just look at how he's sort of shaped this team, I would say I kind of viewed him in a similar manner to how I did last year with, it's funny, AJ just say Wolves. Like a Wolves or, or even Leicester, where you kind of go in and you think, we're in for a tough game here no matter what. And even if we get a win, you know it's not going to be an easy win. Whereas once upon a time, West Ham could be, when it all went wrong, it went wrong quite quickly. It's, 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 interesting, it's interesting that you mentioned Leicester there as well, because I, I just sort of had a glance at the actual stats on the table. And when you, if you were to like, for like compare West Ham versus Leicester's squad, you, in most positions, you take Leicester's squad ahead of West Ham's. But you look at the, where they are on the table there, just a few, a few, just a few points behind Leicester, but they've just they've lost the same amount of games, um, and the only difference is obviously the draws. You know, when you actually look at the amount of games that West Ham have lost, they've only lost six this season. That's you know compared mm. with the other teams in play around, and that's not a lot at all. Um, the teams they've lost it, to are a joke as well. <laughs> they've lost to yeah. us, Newcastle. Yeah, so, this is where I mean, that I element of West Ham is a that well, West Ham isn't too different though, because they have always been a team capable of turning. I up on worried the day and for them after that opening day. Yeah, I worried for them before the season started. To be honest, I, I did worry about, you know, bearing in mind, obviously issues with the ownership. I think it's fair to say most West Ham fans weren't too uh, enamoured with David Moyes. I think that's growing, but yeah. a turn of results maybe they, you know, this time next year, say if next season didn't go so well, I could, you know, you could quite easily see Moyes out again because. I think there's still not a perfect fit with him and West Ham, just the relationship. So I was worried going into the season, but they've, uh, like you said, for that reason, I guess they probably deserve even more credit. I, I would say, though, I would say um, that obviously beating us at the weekend is a bit more, it, it, it see, when you actually think about it, it's not that flattering in respect that we are pretty dire at the moment. And to be honest, they got us in a position of where we really didn't want to be in terms of chasing the game, not in control, which at the moment we can't <laughs> be, be, a, be beating you. I think if you look at no, 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 that was it. That, just saying, oh, well, they weren't very good either. No, if, no, no, but that has been the season, wasn't it? People have said that about most games. Sorry, Kurt. I mean, if you look, if you look at West Ham's up and coming fixtures, you've got Man City, you've got Leeds, United, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester City. Newcastle than Chelsea. Newcastle obviously scrapping for their lives at the moment, trying to avoid Fulham. But that's when you'll see whether it's time mm. to take them seriously or not. Because those after those run of games, they could we be... Sound that like they've not played those teams already. I know, but they could be bottom half of the table after those fixtures. Mm, with the going. No, but that, that, that is so true, because right now, West Ham are one of the teams in form, and they've played a lot of the teams that are out of form. I mean, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, flip it. And the, the first half of the season, we were in form and we beat City. And like, I mean, look, literally flip it on his head. If you were, to, if we were to go sw- swing back a few weekends ago when we lost to City comfortably, I mean, flip it to the start of the season. It was the other way around, and City were on the complete back foot in the bottom half of the table. So it is, it, it, that is, it, that is a testament to the kind of season it is in terms of how quickly it can flip. There is no consistent run of form that consolidate a position in the league. There's nothing in there at the moment that's breaking a, like a clear divide in terms of the position between literally mid-table to top the second place. I agree. And I think like with this, I look at the season this season, I've kind of thought, why is it so different? And you've got teams lower down the league that don't have that week to prepare for a big team that's in Europe, say. 
coming, um, say they've got a midweek game and the other team has a whole week to prepare to nullify the, the opposition team. They don't have that this season. I mean, it's almost because everyone's playing midweek games. It's just such a free fall that form is superseding quality at the moment by most of the teams. If you look at the top half of the table, it's whoever's in form that, and whoever's out of form, look at Liverpool, look at where they are, look at where they're going. It's not, I know obviously the injuries and things, but the form side of things that the momentum in this season is just proving to be much more important than in that in seasons before. You think a team gets a big home game with their crowd behind them and then they're a poor run of form and they think, right, we'll get into our place, the whole place is rocking, we've got the boys behind us, then they go and put in a result. Whereas this season, you have to make your own momentum, you have to make your own form essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened with West Ham. But I think I actually think they probably benefited from not having anyone at the London Stadium because the negativity that was there towards the end of last season probably didn't help them that much. The, the way it's being said about form is like they've just been plucky in the last couple of weeks. We have played 25 games, mm-hmm. and after 25 games, they're finding themselves in fourth. So they deserve yeah. just as much. We, we shouldn't just take that away and be like, oh, I'm, everyone's been rubbish. I'm not, I'm not saying that. They've been saying that. obviously better than the teams around them so of a group of teams where everyone's been inconsistent they've been the third most consistent so far if you if you take city out of the equation if, if yeah. you kind of make everything else a mini table and yeah. but the other thing is if even if you know even if we weren't saying this about the other team's struggles if you told someone at any season west ham have got 45 points after 25 games then they're doing really well so yeah. even if you know liverpool chelsea spurs are having better years and west ham were in sixth or seventh We'd still be saying they're having a really good year. Yeah. Where do you think they finish, TK? I mean, that is the that is the side of it where Jack's right in terms of that after the next five or six games, we're going to have a clear idea of if they are in that fight for the Champions League spots or whether it drops down a little bit. Um, in, in all honesty, the, the, the only problem with this, and and Jack Alex has kind of made this assumption with some of what they're saying as well, so. Everyone seems to kind of lay out a premise that certain teams are going to put a run together, and we've got absolutely no evidence to suggest Liverpool are going to put a run together. That suggests yeah. Chelsea might, with under two, in fairness, they didn't look great against Southampton, but they have had an upturn. But there's no indication that someone's going to have a run of form. So we kind of we seem to base the fact that West Ham are going to drop on the fact that these teams below them are going to go on a run, and I don't necessarily know that that's the case. So I could see them in and around sort of sixth and seventh month. I think Leicester will, I say this very tenuously because of the Brendan curse, I think Leicester will just about get over the line and I think Chelsea will be able to put a run together as well. So I think those... Do you think Everton will you, you no, finish above them? I don't have any belief I trust West Ham more than Everton. Yeah, that, that's agreed. And yeah, I know they've got Man City next, um, West Ham, so you can consider that a bit of a write-off. But I'd make them favourites going in against Leeds. I'd always trust West Ham in the game ahead of Leeds, even though, you know, there has been, I know, that was, what my tweet was about was that there has been some quarrel over Leeds getting more credit than West Ham, I just, which I do think is probably a little bit ridiculous. I just found the uh, how offended everyone was by it also equally ridiculous. But I, I would say around 6th or 7th, I think, which is obviously a great year for them. If, if we go from West Ham to Newcastle as a, uh... We have Danny. So Steve Bruce, after another loss yesterday, came out and said he remains quietly confident that 
Newcastle will do enough to stay up and That's avoid such a their weird rivals. way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they're three points off the relegation zone. Um, they've lost nine of 11 games in 2021. Um, not a single draw in that time, so I mean, we've won the two games there. I think should Bruce be confident because Fulham Fulham are starting to look like they're playing for Scott Park and have fair play to them and if anything he might just be lucky that West Brom and Sheffield are that bad like Fulham actually look like a decent team they look they actually look hard to beat which is interesting when you consider their eighteen from 22 points but They've got so many draws, they just have not been able to convert into wins. Any just rub of the green in those draws, and they're so much better off than they are. They've just been struggling to score goals. Newcastle, like they just look devoid of inspiration. I think Alanson Maxwell is key, obviously. If he doesn't play, then they don't really know where they get Yeah, that long COVID. Yes, and um, Callum Wilson being injured is going to be difficult for them yeah. as well. Though so, I don't know. I, I I can see them dropping more points than Fulham at the moment with the way they're playing. However, watching the game against Man United, they were the better team for most of the game. They just conceded some decent goals. It, it really shouldn't be this bad. And I know Newcastle often, you get the pundits who, whether they're mates with Mike Ashley or whether they just had a rough time against Newcastle in their careers, and they say that, Newcastle perhaps feel entitled to be doing better than they're doing and I don't know if that is the case I think they do certainly have ideas above their station a bit but you go back less than 10 years ago and you had the likes of Denver Bar Papi Cisse Ben Arthur Kabai Teote Gutierrez Colaccini so they're not asking for world beaters in there they're just asking to have a decent enough squad and looking at the squad now it is plenty good enough to be better than the situation they're in. Mm. They've got a solid defence there. You've got Lascelles, Shah, plenty of other options there. Jamal Lewis, obviously, has been one of the better options there. Midfield is a, a, quite an issue. It's why they've brought in Joe Willock. I'm really not sure about Shelby, even if he does show up every now and then. It's Scoring goals is obviously the big him. issue, isn't it? Yeah, and that's exactly where it is. And But that isn't going to be helped with Callum Wilson being out injured. They play, they they play like Palace without Zahar. Just, and that's their like preset style of play. Mm. And that must come from the manager. And I don't know if the worst thing that could have happened to them was that game against Spurs, when they got absolutely battered. They got the dodgy pen to win it. And from then it looks like Bruce is going into games protecting what he's got. And I don't know if that's because he felt the relegation scrap coming from a mile away and perhaps just thought every point is entirely crucial. But they never look like they're going out of their way to try and win the game. He said about the amount of draws that Fulham have got. Newcastle have only got four all season. It looks as if it's either win or lose for them and nothing in between. So it's going to be interesting down the stretch when they've got to rely on players like Almiron and Joe Linton who have shown that they aren't the guys to be relied upon. 
yeah, I've I've got almost no belief in that team. I, I think the only way they'll stay up is if they sack Bruce and get a new manager bounce. And and it's I think it's the perfect marriage of uh, a manager who's not fully confident in himself and a team is not very good. Um, I think Fulham are a proper proper outfit. I think I've said in our group chat that uh, kept an eye on them since the game against us because. They played us off the park as much as they we snatched a draw against them. Really, it wasn't like a back to the wall job. And since then, I've watched them in games, and Jack's right. They they just not they've had no luck and not you know they don't have a lot of goals in the team. But he's got them set up properly. They're they're a good enough team that I'll back them to get. I'll be honest, I've not just jump Newcastle. I think they'll get plenty more points than Newcastle. If as the way things are, I, I think Newcastle have some good players, but I think they've got a lot of dross in there, and I don't mm. think they believe in the manager. So, unless something changes, they're going down. The team above Newcastle then is Brighton, and they, when you look at the stats, Graham Potter is the unluckiest manager in the world because you look at teams who outperform or underperform their XG. Brighton's is horrific. The amount of big chances they fail to tuck away and then the the results obviously go with them. Yeah, exactly. they've been owed going about ten places up the table. It's so. funny because Brighton are literally one of those teams that just don't deserve to be where they are, but they do at the same time because that's football, I guess. But every but manager they... is hoping they drop down there so they can raid the likes of Basuma or even cheaper than they're going to go for anyway. <laughs> yeah, but you are right to draw the comparisons with Palace in terms of this just uh, and, and to say about what Newcastle fans expect. I think once upon a time. They were a little delusional. I think with good reason because they did used to be a team that challenged for the league or at least top four. So I think eventually that has obviously worn off and they just want a decent team now who's actually going to have a go. And too many games he turns up, like you said, negative. And there's a reason actually some of their more positive performances are against good teams. One of the one of the best displays obviously in Bottom was against Liverpool where they knew they were going to have their backs to the wall a little bit, but they hit us well on the counter. And I think the fans accept that that's going to happen in those games. But it's when you're going into... To other games, and they're you know they're barely coming out their own half. You think this is just dreadful, and yeah. like you said, a similar thing with with Palace. But and also as much as I like, if Sir Maximin is this guy that everyone says, he should be able to do the job that Zaha can do for Palace. I don't yeah. I don't know that Sir Maximin is someone I'd want to rely on in a relegation fight. As good as I think he is, he's got talent, but I don't know if you'd want to pin your hopes on it. If if I asked you who you'd rather have as your owner. Mike Ashley or a DSG? Would you hesitate before saying DSG? I'd certainly hesitate. Steve made out that they were one and the same, and I'm 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 not sure they're as bad as Ashley. Well, look, I, I have seen some uh, discussion online between West Ham fans and Newcastle fans as to who's got the worst owner. Shock horror. Newcastle fans thought it was Ashley and West Ham fans thought it was their one. So I, I don't know how much you can really draw into that. Everyone's going to think, you know, if you've got a bad owner, yours are going to think yours is the worst. Yeah. I, th- I think Ashley is worse, but I, I, would, I wouldn't I would say it's conclusive. I, you know, I could probably be swayed in the debate, to be honest. I think they're both pretty and, dreadful. Uh, Ashley's in this unfortunate way where he's tried to spend his way into them being sold. And that didn't work. And then he's tried just kind of selling them cheap, and that's not worked. And then the only ever takeover that the Premier League has rejected 
through fears of piracy, apparently was the reason. <laughs> is this Newcastle? He thought he'd made off with a lot of money. <laughs> I can understand what, what why they were unhappy, but yeah, I, I think Newcastle fans should be very worried because in previous times you've seen the likes of West Ham and Newcastle here around this time of the season. And I've never really been too worried for them where I just thought you look at and there's enough teams worse than them. And in Newcastle's shoes, I'm actually not sure this year that there are enough teams worse than them. No, They're going to no, have exactly, to rely exactly. on big Joey Willock to drag them out. And that's unfair in itself, isn't it? Yeah, he's, a good, looks, play, he's a good I young player. I think that's why he's gone there, to be fair, to show that he can do that kind of job. But, I think it's probably good for him that, you know, like I said, get yeah. first team games, but in terms of having pinning your hopes to stay up on him is, uh, you know, from Newcastle's point of view, not great well, at they've, all. they've got enough attacking players and they've actually made some smart signings. I thought the signings of Fraser and Hendrick were decent signings. Yeah. Fraser's obviously not done enough so far. Hendrick shouldn't be starting for you, but he, for Newcastle, he, he gets some stick. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's very odd. And if the manager isn't, hasn't put it together by now, he just did that uh, Ollie thing, didn't he, for a while, where every time it looked like he was going to get sacked, he pulled a result out of the bag. Mm, yeah. The Newcastle one probably bought him a bit too much favour. I do worry they'll go for someone like Eddie Howe, and I, I, I'm not sure that's the answer. Give it to Thierry Omri. You better off going for Wagner or someone like that. Blimey. We're just going for managers that actually have been relegated here. Well, um, slim pickings, to be fair, in the market. Yeah, yeah, certainly is. If Newcastle, if, if Newcastle can stay up, I, I'd love to see them go and get Sari. <laughs> but he's not, he, he won't join anywhere mid-season, will he? Why would you love to see him go get Sarri? Because I think the the atmosphere and the way things are, I think he I think he'd like the club if if they're prepared to give him some money to spend, which they appear to give everyone bar Rafa really. <laughs> then I'd like. They to saw see some that. of his signings for us, didn't they? For well, we're not giving and, him fucking money. And I quite liked him at Chelsea, so I just think he'd he'd be a cool one to have there. I don't think he. I don't think he'd feel like we've seen with a lot of managers, perhaps that have been at a bigger club, that he's above it. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And I'd like to see him beat Chelsea. I was just thinking you're. Uh, <laughs> you've got no sympathy for them, but you took. You walked him out of a situation where it's horrible at Chelsea, and now he's entering into the fire at Newcastle. Yeah, Chelsea struggled against Newcastle, so you put Sarri in that as well. He yeah, could be that. taking six points off them a season. Almost guaranteed six points, that isn't it? it it's, it's funny because with the two teams we've spoken about, Newcastle and West Ham, they always seem to get off in the season. So maybe that's why I'm not taking them so seriously because they always beat us. <laughs> Is anyone... How many of you would pick Newcastle to go down if you had to put uh, the money either way now? <sighs> I think I was pretty emphatic with my view. I think that if Fulham can start scoring some goals, because they're not conceding a lot and they're hard, like I said, hard to beat, it's just whether they can score them or not. Whereas it all hinges on how quickly Callum Wilson comes back and 
in what form he's going to be in when he does come back. What injury has he got? Do you know? You've said a lot without saying a lot here. Are you picking them to stay up? I reckon Newcastle stay up over Fulham. But I'm not I agree confident. they stay up. I think they might, they might both survive, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not confident, but I think they do survive. It is coming down if they both stay up. I really don't like the look of Palace, and I've picked Burnley to go down for about the last six years. <laughs> you can't keep... you got to learn. I'd love to. I'd love to see a Leeds collapse. Oh, I'd pay that money to pretty, see that. That would be pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, that was mainly just because I can't see Newcastle and then Fulham are looking decent. But how long Fulham looked decent for? That they they could easily slump back down. So you never know. Fulham Newcastle last game of the season. Yep. Oh, and there'll be fans in for it. Yeah. Yeah, Craven Cottage though. So. Same, yeah. same as as it was, isn't it? But four thousand, something. All right. If we get on to Chelsea, then, and more specifically, Thomas Tuchel and his treatment of Callum Hudson Odoi. I think I mentioned last week that uh, I saw a compilation of Hudson Odoi and Neymar. So it was quite yeah. a week for him to go from that to this. Um. Tuchel subbed him on with uh, at half time, wasn't it? And then with 13 minutes left in the match, he took him off again for uh, Hakim Ziyech. He said in his interview after he was not happy with his attitude. He said, I took him off. We demand 100%. I feel he's not in the right shape to help us. It was a hard decision, but tomorrow it's forgotten about and he has all the possibilities to start against Atletico. Um he said, it's, it's not a big thing at all for me, is what he said. Um, he said, I've spoken to Callum and I've spoken to the whole group. Sometimes these things happen in football. It was just my decision. Uh, today he spoke again, because obviously Chelsea played tomorrow. He said, maybe I was being harsh on him because he was on my side of the football pitch and I was up close to him. But I just did not feel he was really into the game. He must swallow it, come into training, ready to work ahead of Atletico a game in which he has every chance of starting. How fuming were you, Jack, when he took him off, or did you think it was the right call? Um, I thought we needed something different, and I knew we needed to get Ziyech on, and he wasn't going to take Mount off because Mount was our best player. So the only other option was, I thought he was going to take Rhys James off and put Hudson Doyle out wide and then Ziyech in the, in the kind of right forward position. But I was surprised because I actually thought Hudson Doyle was different. He's the only player that we've got that really likes to run at the fence. Everyone else quite likes to pass it around a little bit. But he's the only direct runner we have. He didn't. I didn't think he was playing that bad. It was a bit of a shock, really, to me. However, he's paid to make these decisions, and he's shown his authority. If I mean, if we look at Callum Hudson Doy, is that he kind of came on the scene as Sarri. He wasn't trusted by Sarri um, for whatever reason. It wasn't trusted by Frank either, um, and I think that was down to attitudes. And if Tuchel is saying the same thing, I mean, there's a lot of smoke, so there must be some fire here. So maybe he's just trying to, he's still a young lad, he's 19, he's just trying to say, right, I'm not having this, you come on 100% or you don't come on at all, or I will take you off. And I guarantee you next game, if he plays, it will, the next time he comes on to the sub, he gives 110% because he isn't going to want to be known as the person that was subbed twice from being a sub. So 
That Bayern bid could have been the worst thing that ever happened to him. What do you mean? Well, it, it gassed him up, clearly, because well, yeah, he I wanted, suppose it, he it, wanted it, to leave. He wasn't getting the yeah. opportunities there. And then, I don't know, I think it's quite a cop-out when the attitude thing does come through. Arteta said it with Maitland-Niles, and then I think sometimes some players just are a bit like that, and if they perform when they're on the pitch, then it's a sacrifice that you've got to be willing to take, as we saw with Soonest accused Moyes Keane of it, and mm. every change of scenery, and he's, he's been flying. So I, 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 I don't think know it, if the attitude thing is legit, but it may have certainly put some ideas in Hudson Adoy's head. They gave him that crazy contract before he'd really done anything significant in a Chelsea shirt, and I don't know, maybe he does think he's a bit above what he's maybe. been doing so far. I think it was always going to be made worse by Ziyech's performance when he came on because he was fucking terrible. <laughs> he's been, he's been, he was our best player when he came back from his first injury. He was out injured again. Now he's come back and he looks so off the pace. Mm. Against Barnsley, he could barely complete a pass and he couldn't get a touch this game either. And I think if Ziyech had come on and he'd set up, um, a goal for us to win the game, then it's a completely different conversation. It's a stroke of genius. He rules with an iron fist, but he knows what's best for the team, etc. So it's one of those situations that he wanted to get Ziyech on. He wasn't going to take Mount off. And I guess he just thought, well, Callum's pissing me off in Reese James. <laughs> that's pretty we, much, that's what I've got from that interview in that statement. Reese James was having a bad game, which is rare for him as well. So, that's, again, that's why it made it a bit more surprising that he didn't switch Callum out to the right wing back. We, we said with Ertzel, didn't we, when he's being criticised, and I know they're two very different situations, but like he, the club chose to pay him that money so that it can't be held against him, obviously, every time that he plays poorly. But you would think Chelsea, giving him a hundred grand a week deal, and it's rumoured to be more than that, but you've seen that how these things go. He's at least on 100 grand a week. And so Chelsea are probably thinking that they are expecting more from him than that because they gave him that contract, obviously, to keep him away from Bayern. And it may just be that the expectations are higher on him than your standard 19-year-old who probably wouldn't have been taken off in that situation because of his confidence. I, and so I know, he's just got to perform differently. I, I don't even think it's maybe that deep because... He wasn't playing under Frank. He could not get a game. Frank wouldn't play him. And I, we just couldn't understand why. He played a few games when he came back for injury. He wasn't very good. He's now kind of back into the same form he was in when he came on the scene with Sarri. So he's almost being justified. I think as well with that, the amount of money that's being paid, obviously he was free to us because he came through our youth system. And for us to go and find a, 20, a 19, 20-year-old winger with his potential, it's going to cost us upwards. It's Jaden Sancho money. Yeah, comparatively, the, we gave Saka a new deal on 40 grand a week. Yeah, good business by you guys, but Saka wasn't being hounded by the European champions. So I guess he it was being hounded by easy. Liverpool. Was he? Was he? Why don't yeah. we get him? I don't think, was he? I don't, I don't yeah. think any of this. Google it. Legit. I mean, I don't know how serious it was, but. They they made their inquiries. He had a year left on his deal. Mm. 
the, thing, the thing is, like Jack said, I didn't think he was playing bad either. I was watching the game, yeah. and then he was saying afterwards why he wasn't playing great. I was thinking, maybe I was watching seven half. I thought he was okay. He was, yeah. like Jack said, he was at least uh, one of the ones more likely to make something happen. And it does ignore the context of the last few games. He's played in that, uh, and that's what I'm saying, that Reese James sort of role, and has looked good since mm. Tuchel's come in. So it, it was an odd player to kind of pick on, which does seem I, like he's doing. It does seem like he sent that message on it. I, I thought it was weird. You're definitely right, because he's the one player that's really shone. Him, obviously Mount's been pretty constant throughout, but him and Mount have been the two most influential players since Tuchel's come in. And for him to just kind of haul him off after having a couple of man-of-the-match performances is a bit, bit odd. But Like you said, it might have a reaction, but as a wider point, I never quite get when managers sub a sub unless they have to, because... It's always a talking point. It must have a bad impact on the dressing room. And bearing in mind what the Chelsea dressing room can be like and the context in which Tuchel's come into this job and, you know, it, it, in an insecure job at the best of times, he's in a very insecure position anyway. Yeah. It seems an odd move. It seems a strange time to be playing power plays. Yeah, you think, I think you're right. I mean, he's made a rod for his own back with this massively. Like, and he could, yeah, he could easily, he, you know, could spiral out of control. If he had just taken off Reese James, put Hudson Doyle right wing back, and put Zich on them, then there'd be no who are. There's no story, is there? There's no story. Yeah. Everything is as is normal. Yeah. And he could have just had a quiet word with Callum. I mean, it's 15, 10 minutes before the end of the game. So just have a word. Look, I was going to take you off, but I thought better of it. Just don't do that again. I think that would have been an effective yeah. way of doing it. That's the alternative that you might not want it to be that, quite obviously. Do you think? Perhaps he's seen the opportunity and Hudson-Odoi is almost certainly an easier target than other players in that team. I'm not having that if it's Marcus Alonso or Azpilicueta that he's brought on that he's then going to take them off. And it may be that he's seen the opportunity to put his foot down and maybe show this is what I'm about. And Hudson-Odoi, of all the players in that team, he probably does feel he can get away with doing that with. He just doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the voice he feels to speak out and do it. Maybe it's maybe like one of the, like the director that used to hire an actor just to fire them in front of the screen. <laughs> like maybe it's that kind of right. You've seen what can happen, and this can happen to you. Fucking pull your finger out. Um, so certainly players there, he, he's not trying that with. Yeah, he's not doing that with Werner. If you like, mm. that would probably him. Maybe he thinks that Callum can take it. Maybe he thinks that he is above the station like you said which I do get that vibe from him he's the only Chelsea youth product, project that I like because of his ability but apart from that he's a bit he's not he's hard to warm to because I think you do get those vibes that he's a bigger than his station maybe he's just bring them down a bit mm. um, and at the end of the day I'm back in Tuchel in every scenario here he's the manager he's paid to make his decisions I've liked what I've seen since he's come in we look tricky to be we don't give away stupid goals and on the times that we do, like we do against Southampton. <laughs> um, we don't Imagine if Sarri had this support, TK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem with... Imagine that, if Lampard had had this support. We're, wow. We're, we're, Christ. We're creating the chances <laughs> just to win games, which is not putting them away. Whereas with Sarri, we weren't even creating a chance. <laughs> it was just passing the ball around the midfield for the whole game and hoping Hazard wins us the game. If I, he didn't have I can't Hazard... believe I've not heard you say low block yet today, Jack. I'd have had money on it. 
No need. We're not talking about that. Well, I'm that, still waiting for him to say he's two, happy. Two for, got... what, two for what we've seen so far. The, the issue is, isn't it, that he's still kind of perfecting the way to play against a team that is going to sit off. Well, what, what I found really interesting is they interviewed Nate, um, Nathan Redmond. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interviewed Nathan Redmond after the game. And he said that it's the first time in a long time that we've had a week to prepare for a team. So we've watched hours and hours and hours and hours of footage of Chelsea and how they play. So we came up with a good strategy and how to nullify them. And it's the first time we've had a week to really prepare for this. This kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier, that these teams that aren't in Europe and aren't usually in Europe and now come up against the same problems where you've got to prepare for games three days before you play them. Whereas you give a mid-table to, to I don't know, top of half, upper half table at seven to eight place team a week to prepare and that will make a difference and that's what happens we just the time that we've got invested into playing with five forwards they just had a great system that we just could not get through again we had the chances but we didn't finish them off but I think that's another reason why there's so much uncertainty on what teams can do this year because if a team has a week to prepare the evidence is there to show that that does help. If the teams in the lower half of the table are playing a team and they've both had two days to prepare for the game, then anyone can win it because it is just who plays better on the day. It's quite an interesting. Oh, I can't believe no interview was asked Nathan Redmond yet. How do you start in a Premier League team? <laughs> just before we go on to the, the, the UFC, if I had another question for you, Jack. Um, I think you played Monday Night Football last week, didn't you? And uh, Gary Neville described Tuchel as being arrogant because he played Kepa. And I don't know what your thoughts were on, one, him saying that, and two, him seemingly giving Kepa another go. Do you think he's been told by the, the guys at Chelsea, oh, we spent a lot of money on this fella? Yeah, so I my take on this, and I've had a good discussion with my mate about it, is that, You've got the most expensive keeper in the world on the bench, high profile as well. You're going to want to get him minutes because no one's going to want to buy him um, if he's sat on the bench, especially if you're going off his recent performances. I do believe he's probably been told that you need to play him so we can get some kind of money for him, even if it's like 40 mil and we'll take the 30 mil here. Um, Because I don't think we go for another keeper until we get rid of him because we can't afford it, I really think. Um, Him actually playing, so Mendy is a bang average keeper. He just yeah. doesn't make horrendous mistakes. It's just he doesn't save anything he shouldn't, but he saves the stuff that he should. And that's what Kepa wasn't doing when he was in the sticks for us last season, start of this season. Um, what you will find as well with Tuchel is the keepers have a ball a lot more. And they're playing, whereas under Lamps, we were getting out of the wings and we were trying to pass it round teams. With Tuchel, the keepers are playing a lot more direct midfield short passes into Jorginho so he can pivot and turn around and start the play. Mendy with ball at feet scares the shit out of me because <laughs> it does not. <laughs> Kepa with the ball at his feet, absolutely fine. He could probably play out on the pitch if he wanted to. It's one of the, well, oh. I hate falling into, <laughs> that, I hate falling into that phrase, uh, but it's, that's how people would describe him, etc. Um, I reckon Edison could have played in midfield for us yesterday. Yeah. But anyway, going back to Kepa, I think if you 
with that style of play, then he's much better than Mendy. He's also a better keeper than Mendy. He just has the errors in his locker. And if a keeper like, say, for example, Lloris, who is a phenomenal keeper, but he's got an error in his locker, and it comes out every three to four games, whereas with Kepa, it's every single game. It was costing us points. If you can get... I'm not sure what he feels about Lloris. (laughs) He is a brilliant keeper. Um, He's not. He's finished. He, he's he was. He, he still is. When you look he's at, getting the same pass that Ozil got for being a World look, Cup winner. When you when you look at the same standard of keepers out at the moment, there aren't many more that you'd want in the Premier League. I don't think. Not many more. Chelsea need better check back in. I want to. I want to see you suffer. That, I don't know if you watched, um, but it was a youth game. Um, yeah, I did, and you made yeah. a mistake about thirty seconds <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, a vile bloke. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not adverse to seeing Kepa play more games. I know probably most people wouldn't agree. I think he's you really better, don't trust West Ham. He's, he's a better, <laughs> the better keeper than Mendy. And if you can get those errors out of him and his confidence out, and he performs anything like he did in his first season, which he was pretty good, getting us, getting us to a Europa League um, trophy. He's benefited from not playing here, Kepa. Yeah, he's become a better keeper in his absence. He's, so he's we've tra- said he needs to get rid of the mistakes. Has the keeper ever got rid of those mistakes? It doesn't happen. <laughs> Same with the centre-backs. David De Gea. It happens with him. He was terrible. He, he still makes the like, mistakes. He was a liability and then he won Player of the Year four years in a row. So, I, guess, I mean, Lacazette won Player of the Year for us. People were saying that De Gea was an absolute flop when he first came to United. That was he, very brief, though. That was like... Two seasons. But also, if you looked at him, a lot of his issues were physically. He was he looked, didn't look strong. Didn't look ready for it. I wouldn't say that's necessarily an issue with Kepper so much as he can't save shots. Which Kepper is, is more along the lines of David Luiz. Like David Luiz, he can give you three good games in a row. It, that mistake is still coming at some point. Yeah, and that with Kepper, true. that's it's just how long you can stretch them out for. Um, what Jack's saying is right in terms of like Kepa's ceiling is obviously higher than Mendy's, but his potential to implode is obviously also a lot higher as well. And I always I, think with a, a keeper and a centre back, you probably take the guy who's going to give you a steady performance, but nothing special than the guy who might give you a, a nine out of ten, but also could give you a two. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, you are right in that sense. And Mendy in the English game is so much more adept to coming for crosses, coming for high balls. He's great at that. He commands his area a lot more than Kepa. Kepa looks small in the goal. He looks mm. absolutely tiny. Um, and I think that's why players do just seem to take... He is conceded. I know his howlers, but he's conceded his fair share of screamers as well, where players have just had a go and it's gone in. Part of that is they see him in the net, as we saw with that compilation. <laughs> that yeah. was so disrespectful. Yeah. Fucking it's Kepa. Yeah. Oh, and it's man. funny because they're all in the corner. Not many other keepers are saving them, but... I guess having Kepa in the goals does make you think that I can have a go and it'll probably go in. Like I said, I think we haven't conceded a lot of shots in the Tuchel. We've had a lot of... The, the keepers have had more passes than they have had shots faced. And with that, I think really Kepa is more equipped at playing out from the back than Mendy is. It's just but, if you can get those errors out of his game or slash get any kind of value for him for someone to want to buy him. Before we go on to uh, the UFC, I'll ask TK and Alex as usual. This 
Friday on Movie Madness, we are doing The Matrix up against The Last Boy Scout. So if we go to you first, TK, what's your pick? Matrix are a great set of films, obviously bigger, but Last Boy Scout is a personal favourite of mine, so I'm, I'm going out to bat for that. I think I'm going to watch that tonight. And Alex? Oh, I'm going to have to go with The Matrix. Uh, Keanu Reeves, peak Keanu Reeves, probably one of the greatest action films. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if The Matrix made it towards the right at the end of the bracket. So, yeah, Matrix. Yeah, okay. Um, nothing offensive you want to say this week about the filmmakers or anything? <laughs> I didn't say anything offensive last week. I think the tone of your voice right after when you realised probably shouldn't have said that told us all. No, not at all. You, it, you, uh, you just made assumptions on what where my mind was at. <laughs> Come on, there was <laughs> there was three others here, and uh, we all thought the same thing. No, I think I think there were two. I think there were th- three of us there that all jumped on the bandwagon as soon as one of you tried to put it in that way. Did you watch um, Crouch and Tie, Hidden Dragon last week? I didn't. No. Oh, so he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to educate himself either. Jack doesn't want to give himself any culture. No. Oh, what? I... <laughs> no, I can't say that I'm surprised. No, nor nor am I. Maybe maybe if they were. Uh, Fighting on bikes, jousting. <laughs> but we'll let you go, Alex and uh, Jack, unless either you watch the UFC at the weekend and then me and TK will tie a nice little bow on the episode. Yeah, I'll be shooting off. See you later, guys. Adios. Alex sticking around to talk UFC, is he? There we go. All right. Now we've got them uh, out of the way. Last thing, last thing's last. Is that a phrase? Like first things first? <laughs> we'll go so with it. I was, I, was, I was quite gutted this weekend. Um, Curtis, Curtis Blades is, is my boy. <laughs> yes, he um, is. I was really confident here. Um, one of them where I won't say I couldn't see the way the other bloke could win because when you've got a guy that hits as hard as Derek Lewis, obviously that's the case, but I just didn't see it happening. His takedown defence, I thought within 30 seconds he was going to be on his back. Yeah. And then with his standard gas tank, I thought I thought, he, I thought he'd end up quitting actually. Um, obviously very wrong uh, Curtis Blaze just could not work him out could he I've tried <laughs> to take him down a couple of times what does Derek Lewis do to people it must just be a lot more complicated when you get in there he tagged him he tagged him the first time um, he went in for a takedown didn't he and then yeah, he looked a bit shook up blades like that wasn't supposed to happen mm. and then he and then he was landing quite nicely on the feet his striking is a lot better than it was when he came into the UFC much improved isn't it yeah but Derek Lewis said in his interview after he was like I was literally just waiting for that one uppercut he said it was going to be an uppercut or a knee 
And those yeah, shots after were, were nasty as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a classic Herdean number, wasn't it? I usually, I mean, I don't know how much quicker it can get in there, and I'm not throwing myself in the way of one of those either. <laughs> no. It... Curtis, Curtis Blade did speak a lot of smack about Derek Lewis in the build-up. And I've frequently complained when people are suddenly best mates after, so I can't complain too much. But <laughs> there's times when a guy looks like he might not be out, and then there's a guy who is literally stiff as a board. <laughs> there's no doubt about it, was there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were di- they was, were dirty as well. They were they weren't even like half kind of. Str- they were literally head on the mat, and he's punching it through it. <laughs> Even weirder with no crowd because you can hear the noises coming out of Blades while he's unconscious. Yeah, grim. And they say it's so casual on the broadcast, like Curtis uh, still hasn't come back to consciousness yet, but we'll have the decision for you next. Yeah, yeah, it's a brutal, it's a brutal business. Derek Lewis is just, I don't know, Dave must be thinking like, you're my worst nightmare, really. You're just ruining the division. <laughs> Well, because you take out any the most wins. But... He's got the most ever wins by knockout in the UFC now. Really? Just in the yeah. whole UFC? Yeah. I thought you ever. Just say heavyweight. Jesus, that's mad. Yeah, he's got 12, 12 wins by knockout. He's I mean, he quite literally is a beast. <laughs> you thought he was done. After like the Mark Hunt loss, for example, he yeah. thought this guy is not being seen again. Someone posted a picture of like the worst thing you can you can possibly see when facing uh, Derek Lewis, and it's like you know the pictures where it's quite clearly meant to be from like someone's half open eyes, and it's just him on the mat <laughs> slamming it. That is a terrifying image as well yeah. when you see him do it. Obviously, it works out all right if you're already unconscious. You don't know what's His going on. His personality is so weird as well. It, just the way he talks is just so like low-key. They were saying to him, because the fight got called off before when uh, someone in Blade's team had COVID, and he was like, I don't hate the guy. Like, I don't want him in the ICU because of COVID. He's like, I, I mean, I, I want to be the one to send him there. But he said it like he was saying something like really nice. He's a character, isn't he? He's definitely a character. He's like, don't take down the fence, look good. He's like, I've been telling you, I'm a D1 wrestler. (laughs) I'm legit. (laughs) I saw some people sharing the meme of like, this guy's on a one-man mission to prove grappling is not a thing. Yeah, I saw a tweet saying, MMA just does not work on Derek Lewis. (laughs) Because... He was out grappling Alexei Olenek briefly. Yeah. And he, yeah, might, yeah. he stayed on the mat with him for half a round and he didn't get taken out. And he was I'm legit, you just don't know. <laughs> yeah. I it's... don't know if you saw DC did his usual, as we say, after every UFC event. And he uh, said afterwards, Derek Lewis might have the most power ever <laughs> just to point blank the most power yeah. ever no, nothing further explained blimey something you would say I mean 
a fight with this guy and Francis and Garnu. I can't see how that could possibly be a bad <laughs> fight. I mean, I it, can't, it can't go like the first one, can it? It can't be exactly the same, can it? I don't know if you saw the whole broadcast. Did you see why Michael Chandler's name was trending? No, I didn't. Okay, so um, UFC decided, obviously, that they were going to take part in Black History Month. and. I, I, I could sense some nervousness in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> no, just you can see where this is going. So, yeah. Um, obviously, they've got an entire roster. They've got plenty of black athletes on the roster. And the only promo they've done so far is from Michael Chandler and what Black History Month means to him. <laughs> and they had a whole thing because he, he's adopted a black son, obviously. Yes. Uh, and he, But he was saying about like, I, w- I want my son to understand with me that the black struggle and things, um, all of these different things. And it's like you've got an entire roster of people that you could be doing this promo with. They've done the Bunsy. They've done the BT Sport. Yeah. Yeah, that is but he, he was using quotes like, I don't see colour and things like this. It was like the UFC has been accused of ignorance before. And it was like, if someone did a skit of how the UFC would represent Black History Month, and that it's would be it. it. Yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah, it's really... At the time, I thought... I didn't know if I was being, like, overly, like... Cynical. Like, overthinking it, like... Because it, it, yeah. was, it was a nice... It was a nice promo. For well, the intent, the intent is good, isn't it? But it's just... If they had them throughout the broadcast... Saying, yeah, like, this is what yeah, it yeah. means to me, this is what it means to me, and then you have a different perspective, it would make a lot of sense. But to have him as the one and only, <laughs> I remember me and Rory say that for one show before, and it was, it was a pretty awful show. I can't think what it was, but the theme of it was cancer awareness. And rather than it be kind of all these different things, they quite literally interviewed everyone on the roster who'd had a relative die of cancer. Jesus. And so you have like a three-hour broadcast of people just saying such and such family member this. I mean, they were great. And it was like, this is deep when you then pan in two minutes away to someone being head kicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And left, left in the middle of the octagon. So <laughs> the UFC have a strange way of doing things, clearly. Certainly do. If you're Derek Lewis, do you wait? for a title shot knowing that you've probably got to wait for John Jones after this what what do you do because he said afterwards if I could choose it would be Stipe that I'd fight he's like look if John Jones needs to fight someone at heavyweight then he's happy to be that guy but also he was like I'm happy to just take some time off he's a funny one isn't he because you'd say don't take time off but then he seems to just be able to just come back in and do what he does. And it's not like, you know, you're thinking, oh, you're worried he's going to get out of shape because we've kind of seen. Yeah, he has lost some weight, to be fair. No, he definitely is in better nick than he once was, isn't he? He's literally what we always say about why people love heavyweights. And it's the kind of thing that we said about Deontay Wilder, where it's weird that so many people in England, just because he fought Fury or just because he was linked to fight AJ, criticise him being a guy that just knocks people out 
Like that's not <laughs> what we all want to see. The very thing we want. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think you said about it a while previously. It actually adds to it that he's not jabbing. He's not doing anything out. Derek Lewis is quite literally just aiming to hit you once over the space of 25 minutes. Yeah, he's just gambling it all on the fact that he's going to yeah. chin you at some point. Is uh, is pretty cool. Because a guy that size shouldn't be throwing flying knees and Superman punches, but he does. <laughs> yeah, he, he he does have an odd amount of athleticism. <laughs> Seems a strange thing to say about a guy like him. Yeah, so we'll have to see what's next for him. I, I think they may try and redo the Volkov fight after he battered him for... 14 minutes and then Lewis caught him at the end. Yeah. You're probably pissed off you and Lewis and you're going to give him that. <laughs> it depends. I think he's on a pretty nice contract. I think he got his new contract right before the DC fight after he'd done the Balls of Hot interview where they were like, this is our next start and they gave him a nice deal. They cashed so I think him he's and... still got fights left on it. Fair enough. Him and Rosenstrike would be I mean, yeah, that would be very good. In theory, is again, two bangers going in with each other. You just hope it doesn't go the same way as the Ingarnu fight. He's facing uh, Cyril Garnet this weekend, so the winner of either, the winner of that would yeah, work yeah, perfectly yeah. well. It's a good shout. So, there we go. Um, anything else to say before we wrap this up? I think we covered it all, didn't we? All right, there we go. So, thank you again for listening to our edition of Spitballing Pod. We'll be back next week, probably.